Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Coming up this week, we've got a full interview with Bailiwick boxer Billy Lepulan. I caught up with him to reflect on his run to the national final, his recent GB camp and the exciting things coming down the line for the Alderney Assassin this year. You know, I just thought I was going to have one more season and then finish on a win and walk away from the sport and, and then start to give back, you know, start coaching. But now I've been as you know successful first half of the season it's just a case now of pushing on you know I'd really love to get on Team GB. We'll also round up some of the highlights of the local sporting week including World Bowl success for Alison Merrion and the record-breaking efforts of two Guernsey sprinters plus a look ahead to what's coming up over the next seven days or so. I'm Tony Kerr and with me today is Gareth the Prevo. Hi Tony. And Jamie Ingrill. Hi Tony. Hey guys good to see you. Um, plenty going on this week. Um, let's start with Alison Merrion though. Obviously a, a Guernsey Bowls legend. She's been in action in the World Indoor Bowls Championships all week. In fact, she's been in action today in the women's singles final. Um, I mean, Gareth, overall a good week for Ali, um, but not quite the end she was looking for today. No, she came out distinctly sort of second best day in the women's final. She was playing um, Catherine Rednall, who is now the uh, first ever four-time women's champion in the, in the World Indoor Bowls Championship. And she was outstanding today, Catherine Rednall. And Ali just wasn't on her game. Um, she did struggle and it, um, it ended up showing in the scoreline. But... Ali was very pleased, I think, with the week, the way it went. She ended up with a world title in the mixed pairs. Um, she and Paul Foster made a very good combination and she played some really good stuff in that final. Um, and yeah, I mean, to go to Potters, sometimes you can go there, have a couple of matches and that's it. But she got through six matches, I think, of which she won sort of five. So uh, it's a very good return onto the world stage for Ali, in, all in all. Yeah, and for people who haven't seen it, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, there's a good crowd there. Um, it's streamed um, live online. It's shown live on, on BBC as well um, with some decent production effort behind the, the broadcast. Um, you know, it is, it's quite an engaging event. Yeah, I, I must admit, I, I, you must feel the pressure. So, I mean, I've, I've played a bit of media challenge bowls in, in the Guernsey <laughs> Indoor Bowl Stadium, but because it's such a big rink, you don't have anyone sort of right next to you, whereas... It's it's like it's like just a proper alley down that um, down down in Potters, and uh, yeah, like you say, you've got crowd on both sides, and it must feel pretty um, claustrophobic, I think, if you're a, 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 an elite player. So um, I think Ali generally sort of rises to that sort of occasion. It, it was quite funny because the crowd seemed very good, and yet every time they cut away to show her husband Ian in in the stand, it was sort of like him and no one else around him. So I think the, the players had their own sort of family area where nobody else was allowed to sit. So, cause, so Ian was sort of banished off on his own. But um, no, it was it was great just to see Ali back in that environment. I, I must admit, I wish the Potters Resort could do something about playing. Um, red and versus green because Ali always seems to end up in red and I just don't like <laughs> yeah. seeing a Guernsey bowler wearing red in these things I mean she was playing red bowls today and I think that probably didn't help her cause I reckon but um, I hope in the future she gets to play more often in green but I'm sure she'll be back on that stage again uh, next year yeah somewhere she's won before in the singles and doubles but back in 2011 so really impressive 11 years on to be bringing home a trophy from from such a big event in that sport. And um, yeah, hopefully uh, we'll see her there a few more times before she calls it a day. Yeah, well, I don't think there's any sort of um, <laughs> any age limit on bowls. And Ali seems to just seems to be enjoying it as much as ever. I mean, she had um, a few elbow issues a, a couple of years ago, and I think she's been sort of a bit rejuvenated now that she's able to go travelling to these events as well. I spoke to her sort of a couple of days before she left to go to Potters, and you just tell she she just still loves the game. And you know, 
she'll, she'll just keep getting pleasure out of winning titles as long as she can, I'm sure. Yeah, so slightly disappointed again, but great stuff all around this week from Ali Marion. Uh, Jamie, you've been following um, some top-class sprinting from yes. two of our local stars um, and some records tumbling. Yeah, so within uh, one week or seven-day span, uh, we've lost two quite long-standing records for the indoor 60 metres, uh, both to up-and-coming sprint stars. Uh, so we've had Abby Galpin taking their female 60-metre record with 7.50. That's been taken from Kylie Rebilliard, who for a long time was recognised as the fastest ever woman. And then we've had Joe Chadwick more recently doing a 6.84 to take Tom Drusett's record. Um, both of these records are around 10 years old. And 60 metres is a f- funny old distance. It is sort of a means to an end for these sprinters. We'll be looking at fast times in the summer over 100, 200 metres. But I think it's important to note that Tom and Kylie, they both set their 60 metre records. We're running really well and around the times of 100 metre island records. Yeah, so I suppose that's sort of whetted the appetite for the summer and, and I guess looking ahead to, to big championships, Island Games, particularly next year, it could be a pretty exciting prospect to see those two in action uh, on the home straight at Foots Lane or the, or the other <laughs> side, depending on which way the wind blows, I guess. 100%. Um, obviously, Joe won the 100-metre title in Gibraltar, which was hugely impressive and maybe not that expected. But yeah... Um, as well as that, he'll be targeting Tom's 100-metre record, which is still standing. Abby's already become our fastest ever woman over both 100 and 200. Uh, we'll see what uh, Joe can do in terms of times, because he's obviously got great potential. Yeah, great stuff. Um, I just wanted to flag one thing uh, that's on our Twitter feed today. Pop popped down on Saturday to see uh, Nick Pothis and Stefan Jones, two cricket coaches with a huge amount of experience and, and, uh, and regard in the international game. Um, back working with Guernsey's cricketers at the, uh, the, the college sports hall. Um, Nick Potter's obviously former Ireland coach and, and Stefan Jones, who's um, a fast bowling specialist and who's done a lot of work with sort of franchises around the world and, and yeah, is, is seen as a real authority on that, uh, are going to be helping out on a sort of semi-regular basis um, kind of leading up to the summer, Gareth. How big a coup is that for uh, Guernsey Cricket? And actually, it sort of landed in their lap almost. Well, it's quite funny, really. When um, Nick Pothis came to work as our sort of head national coach a few years ago, I think he joined in about 2013 when he first came. He was sort of just starting out in his coaching career. He'd he'd finished his um, first-class playing career and basically came straight from that to Guernsey and was obviously pretty successful in his time here. He was was the coach who last won a senior insular. Um, but since he sort of left after his three years in here, he's he's been all over the world with the sort of Sri Lankan national team, West Indies national team. He's been in franchise cricket. Uh, he was part of the Middlesex setup more recently. So he's got a huge amount of experience. He's really highly regarded, um, Nick. I'm, tr- I'm trying not to call him Skeg, which everyone calls him <laughs> as, but... Um, but yeah, and then literally, sort of like at the end of last summer, he, because he loves the island, I think, and it's because he's got such good contacts here, he's, sort of, he's often chatting to guys over here and he's basically just said, well, I might have a bit of spare time coming up. Is there anything I can help you out with? And uh, yeah, and as Mark Latter said to me, it'd be a bit stupid of them to turn that sort of offer down. So um, I think now that Guernsey have got something to aim for in the um, ICC um, T20 qualifiers coming up in Finland in the summer, um, just having guys like Nick and Steph come over just helps focus the mind. The fact that we've had two years without international cricket, we're getting back to that now, and it does give us that bit of impetus. We've got these guys coming over, passing on their their knowledge and wisdom. 
um, it can only be a good thing and hopefully it leads to some success um, on the playing field in the summer. Yeah, it's a really good sign. It's so encouraging to hear as well, isn't it? Someone, um, yeah, with that experience, talking so fondly about the island and his experience uh, here as coach, it can only, uh, yeah, can only be good as, you know, I suppose any sport looking to attract um, you know, uh, kind of coaching talent from around the place or, or that kind of assistance. Yeah, uh, either that or Mark Lasser makes a very good cup of tea. I don't know, one of the two. Well, but I've, <laughs> I've never had the pleasure. So yeah. <laughs> I know I have. I have. Um, so that's good news. If you want to hear from uh, Nick Pothis, yeah, head to our Twitter feed at GSY Press Sport. And there's a bit more as well on the website, gunsypress.com slash sports. Uh, right, that's it for part one then, I think. Um, coming up next, Billy Lepin. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're enjoying these shows, then do make sure to hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, among others. Uh, Now, he's already made lots of local boxing history in a relatively short space of time, but Billy LePoulin says there's bigger and better things to come for him. Having become the first Guernsey boxer to reach a national final at the end of last year, uh, the Alderney Assassin has just got back from a Team GB assessment camp, and it's fair to say the experiences of the last few weeks have re-fired his appetite for a sport that he came close to giving up not that long ago. Uh, He'll be heading back off to the Commonwealth Games as well in a few months, so a big year ahead. He popped in for a chat with me. Billy, welcome to the pod. Great to see you. No, thanks for having me on. Um, Now I'm aware of the podcast, there will be a a weekly regular listener. Um, No, it's great, you know, that we've got obviously another outlet of uh, audio for covering all the sports in the island. The more more coverage, obviously, all the sports get, the better for everyone else, and it shines a light on all the athletes. Yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, thanks for sparing some time to come in and uh, tell us about how you've been getting on, because it has been, yeah... can't quite say a meteoric rise in the last few months, but a sort of meteoric return to, to kind of form. And we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. But let's talk about what you've just been doing, because you've just been up at Sheffield in a GB assessment camp, um, which has come off the back of that um, performance at the National Amateur Championships a few weeks ago. Just tell us kind of what that opportunity was and, and, and what it looked like for the, for the time you were there. Yeah, uh, it was an opportunity to showcase my skills. Um, As as you're there on an assessment, you're kind of marked on your attitude, your work ethic, your ability, your skills, uh, your flair, and then how you are in in a group, um, how you motivate others, how you can pick people up when they're having a bad day. And um, I really enjoyed it. I I was put in with the the heavier guys because I was the only middleweight and they cut the middleweights down so it's the middleweights down and then the middleweights up. So I was the only middleweight. I was chucked in with the big guys and... I feel like I've done really well and I've now been asked to represent England and box against Scotland on the 4th of March. So I feel like I've really showed what I've got in, in the locker and it's uh, it's been really motivating. Um, I've got another assessment now in a month's time. So it's just a case of just keep cracking on. Um, the long-term goal is to, to get on Team GB, but for now it's just to stay busy and keep improving. And take us back... A few months, maybe a year or so, um, would you have seen yourself at the start of 2022 being in GB contention and, and being so uh, so committed to your boxing again? Absolutely not. You know, we spoke just before we come on the cast here. Um, I was almost ready to walk away from boxing. I was, you know, settling to life outside of boxing. And um, a couple of friends, you know, had a word of me and said, what are you doing with yourself? You've got this talent and you just seem to have fallen complacent. So... I got myself back in the gym and, and Ben Duff, you know, said to me, this is the plan. This is where we could be in 12 months time. He's like, but there's 
all these little short-term goals in between. You've got to keep your head down and keep working hard because you are knocking on the door now and you've got to push through it. When you look back, uh, what was it that had kind of taken you down that path away from boxing for that period? I think with the, the break from COVID, obviously boxing stopped. Boxing was kind of cancelled for two years. So um, naturally, I kind of put less effort into, into boxing and more into work and kind of thinking, right, OK, what's my future? You know, I want to start putting money away. I want to start looking at maybe buying a house or something along those lines and got sucked into the kind of normal kind of worky job. And then on the weekends, you, you know, go out and have a bit of fun with your friends. And um, I got kind of complacent with that. And then it comes to a point where I was like, what am I really doing myself? I'm 26 years of age. I'm, I'm still young. I've still got plenty left in the tank, but I've fallen complacent. And I got back in the gym and I, I went on a, a trip away to Liverpool at the start of October and um, I went sparring with some pros and I felt more than comfortable. I felt like I kind of had the better of them and it was a realisation to me that I've had two years out of the game and I've jumped straight in the deep end and I've been completely fine. Um, I need to really crack on and, and, and chase my dreams really. And do you feel like actually, yeah, that, that sort of one or two year break has played to your advantage now because you've come back um, with a slightly different mindset and maybe uh, yeah, a kind of a real fresh hunger that can take you further than you were before? Definitely. I think switching off from boxing and living a normal life and falling complacent has given me the emotional maturity now to understand what it takes and having been there and, and done that, um, I've got the experience. So it's just a case now of applying myself, staying consistent over a long period of time. I'm really knuckling down over the next few months because, you know, I'm six months away from something really big. So um, I'm excited and I'm grateful for the opportunity that I've got in front of me. And you said before about the moment you stepped back in the ring um, at the open show uh, towards the end of last year, first time you'd fought, uh, I don't know, in, in how many was, Yeah, how 23 many months. months. Yeah. Um, what was that moment like and what, what did it kind of set off inside you? Yeah, um, I have the same walkout song, you know, every time I box in Guernsey, I have the, the Spitfire by The Prodigy. Um, and normally when I listen to the song, you know, I get goosebumps and it's just a, a surreal feeling for me. And um, I felt a lot of pressure before that fight because I had a lot of friends and, and family there and everyone just expects me to, you know, do great. And it was my first fight back at, at middleweight after a little break, after losing out in the in the... East Midlands Box Cup to Rampton Musa. So it was my first fight back at middleweight. Um, and I was unsure how I was going to go. I was against a tough competitor from the RAF. And having spent time out of boxing, I was just unsure whether I still wanted to do it and I had the hunger for it. And uh, the minute I was warming up, I was still a bit uneasy, still a bit unsure. And then as soon as I got to the the pit, the, the, the start of the, the walk on, the, the Spitfire came on by the Prodigy and then I was just, I was raring to go and I got in the ring and I said to Ben, I was like, this is where I belong. You know, I'm back. I'm ready to really knuckle down now. And fast forward then a few weeks and you're um, yeah, involved, I suppose, first in Western Counties and then in the National Amateur Championships where you had uh, an unprecedented run for a Bailiwick boxer, first, uh, first to make a, a final at that event. Talk us through that journey and, and um, what it was like uh, to be in that final and, and kind of what you learned from it. Yeah, uh, to go through the, the regional stages, we had two stages through. There was a semi-final, a regional semi-final, then a final. Um, I beat two really good kids uh, who were both really fit and strong. Uh, and I kind of questioned how far I would go with you know, the size advantage because uh, I'm naturally not, not middleweight. I'm not big for the weight. I'm just physically strong for it. So 
Um, I was unsure how I went and then I was seeded through the through the pre-quarter finals and I drew Jimmy Sainz, who's highly regarded, you know, spoke about in a lot of the gyms and there was the rumour that he signed a, a promotional deal with, with Matchroom to turn pro and he was looked at as, you know, the, the guy to beat in, in the elites. Um, so I was quite nervous before that and, and Ben said to me, look, I've, I've done a little bit of studying on him. This is what I think is going to work. Uh, so we spent 15, 20 minutes warming up just on the exact same shot. It was just a, a simple right hand over the top, just a little touch with a jab, a right hand over the top. And he said to me, set all your feet, give it a minute and then look for it. And he said, I'll call for it, just look for it. So I just listened to him, I got in there, just got my feet into range, found, found my feet, found my, my distance, got my time in there. And as soon as Ben said, let the right hand go, I threw it and it was just unbelievable. The, <laughs> Jimmy's, Jimmy's legs kind of buckled a bit and the referee shouted stop, gave him a standing count and I looked back at the corner and Ben was just like to me, get on him, his, his legs are gone, get on him. So the minute the referee allowed us to box on again, I just threw the kitchen sink at him and, and he waved it off. Uh, and that was me to reach my qualification for the Commonwealth Games. So to beat Jimmy Sainz meant that I'd book my place at Birmingham 2022. So to get that win in such emphatic fashion, I was over the moon. I mean, if anyone saw it, it was, it was live on BBC. So it was on the iPlayer. So I felt that it was my time to shine. And I, I did exactly that, you know, box to instruction and everything Ben asked of me, I, I managed to get done. And um, for anyone that's seen our, our reaction in the corner, we were delighted. And I guess it cranks up, doesn't it? With every fight, um, when you get through to that final, uh, it was even bigger, um, yeah, bigger spectacle, bigger occasion. I know you sort of put a bit of a call out for, for friends and family to come and support in East London. It's been a long time coming. I've been boxing, I've been competing now. This is my 16th year competing. So it's been a long time coming for me. So to make a national final, I didn't feel any pressure at all. I thought, you know, I've, I've done more than what's expected of me. You know, Ben was surprising the fashion that I'd got to the final. And I thought, I'm just going to go in there and enjoy it. I was up against it. The last, um, the last defeat I had prior to that was to the same guy, to Ramton Musa. Um, he's been on Team GB for three years now, and he's looked at as you know the, the hopeful for Paris in 2024. So I was just going in there thinking, right, I'm just going to give it my all and, and see where I go. But prior to, prior to that, I think I gave him a little bit too much respect um, in, in, his, in his attributes. Um, I left it a little bit too late to get started. I started a little bit slow in the first round, started to come into it in the second round, but unfortunately was given a standing count for, for taking a clean shot as I was pulling my head out of an exchange. My chin came up um, and then sat down in the, the end of the second round and Ben said to me, show me how much you want it. So I just went out and I just pushed him back as much as I could. And uh, if anyone heard the commentary, you know, the Richie Woodall and um, the other guy, I'm, I've forgotten his name now. They were so complimentary of, of what I was doing in the third round. Had I done it through the first two, the, the decision could have been the opposite direction. So um, it was motivating. And then obviously following that, I get the call up for the GB assessment. So yeah, it's, it, we're getting there. Well, as you said before, you're, you're a few months away from something big. I mean, it seems like in boxing, things can kind of happen very quickly and, and sort of disappear quite quickly as well. It all sort of seems to hinge on, yeah, sort of, you know, very kind of definite moments. Um, but as you look, look forward to 2022, yeah, you've got some big things to, to tackle. Where does Commonwealth Games figure in that? Commonwealth Games is, is top of the tree. You know, I've got um, the national championships again, um, starting in March, which is when they are every year normally, just the, the before Christmas, they had been postponed from, from the March previous. 
Um, so it rolls around quite quick. So it's nice because we stay active, we stay on it. Um, so we've got that competition starting the end of March and that will see me through to the end of April. Hopefully manage to, to get my first national title then. And after that, hopefully get a couple of competitions in between the Commonwealth Games to keep me active and, and keep that sharpness there. And then just roll into the Commonwealth Games full of full of energy and, and, and full of motivation to, to really crack on and hopefully be the first boxer to have, have got a medal. Yeah, and it's going to be quite a special one for you. You were born in Birmingham. You've got family still there? Yeah, yeah. So my mum's side are, are still there. Yeah, they'll all be coming to support. So, uh, I mean, does, does that make it extra special? Is that an extra motivator for you kind of heading into it? Absolutely. I find it easier to box in front of people I know and, and friends and family because... I don't want to disappoint them. Um, I want to perform to the best of my abilities. You know, that's what I train hard to do and knowing that they're there in, in person, you know, not watching on a live stream or not watching, you know, on the iPlayer. And knowing that they're there, I'm going to really want to put that extra bit in and I'll be able to hear them. And, uh, you know, in terms of your ambitions as a whole then, I don't know how far beyond that you're looking, but has the last six, eight, ten weeks or whatever it is since the, the, that sort of journey to a national final began, um, has that changed your ambition in the sport and changed, changed what you're looking at? Dramatically, you know, I just thought I was going to have one more season and then finish on a win and walk away from the sport and, and then start to give back, you know, start coaching. But now I've been as, you know, successful first half of the season. Um, it's just a case now of pushing on, you know, I'd really love to get on Team GB. That's, that's the long-term goal, really. You know, do well in all competitions and the following assessments coming up. Um, that would be the goal to get on Team GB. To spend a couple of years on, on the squads there, you, you know, when you do sign a professional contract, all of the top dogs are interested then. And is that something you could do being based here and working out the gym in, in Guernsey or would you have to relocate for that? Yeah. So there's two squads with Team GB. There's a, a development squad, which is where they bring people on. The first you know, the group of people they bring on, they go on the development squad and then they progress to podium squad. So I would be on a development squad, which is every other week, Thursday to Sunday so that was manageable whilst still living here but if I do get onto the podium squad then I'll be basing myself in the UK there yeah. Things seem to be really moving on at the Guernsey Amalgamated Club as well um, we've got a new development officer um, we've seen lots of schools getting involved um, do you feel like there's a real kind of platform developing for the sport here? Definitely um, that's hats off to our, our coaches you know Ben Duff and Amanda um, they're doing great work you know Amanda's now going into the schools and, and showing that it's not about brawn it's about you know brain and and it's about you know being a competitor but being a smart competitor and, and, and teaching kids you know there's a bit of respect and discipline you've got to give boxing if, if you really want to pursue it and you know it speaks volumes of the coaching that we've got here obviously with Ben now I'm, I'm his first kind of his first crop of coming through and myself and Chris Sumner, but now we've got Tommy Tears and, and, and Niall Adams really knocking knocking on the door and, and jumping at our heels. So it's it's nice to have the next generation coming through after me and, and seeing, you know, we've got we've now got a, a few youths that are really looking impressive. So it's nice to see where I am now and where they are behind me. It's they're not far and it's nice to watch the journey. Well, yeah, massive year ahead, Billy. Thanks so much for coming and have a chat. Um, we'll be following it very, very closely and I'm sure we'll speak again before um, yeah, before those sort of big milestones uh, are upon us. Brilliant. Thanks for having me on. I'll be sure to subscribe now and, <laughs> and I'll be a regular listener. Good plug. Cheers, dude. Thank you very much. Take care.
Exciting times then for Billy Le Pelan, uh, 26 years old now, so I suppose you'd say sort of coming into his prime. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's great that he's steered himself back towards the focus uh, uh, on his sport and, and the places that it's taken to him over the last few weeks is uh, so impressive. And looking forward to seeing what he does this year. Um, Right, sooner than that, though, let's have a look at what's coming up over the next few days. Uh, Gareth, big win for the Raiders last Saturday, and they'll look to build on that again at home on Saturday. Yeah, they um, they finished really strongly last week um, against Dings Crusaders. It was 17 all after 74 minutes, I think it was. And then, um, yeah, Raiders scored a couple of late tries. Uh, Kieran McGann, who has been named Player of the Week in, in the league this, this week for his performance against Dings, and um, Callum Roberts, they were scored the last couple of tries for a 31-17 win. Um, Raiders did look pretty rusty to start with, and um, I was joking with Jordan Reynolds today. I don't think I saw them put more than four um, phases together, and he reckoned it's probably only three. Um, but the fact that they got the win shows that they've got um, plenty of character, and um, they're up against Barnstable this weekend. Theoretically, on paper, it's an easier game because Barnstable are sort of second from bottom. They've only won a couple of times this season. Um, but recent results, they've, they've run the sort of like the top couple of clubs in the league pretty close. So um, they could be um, a bit handier than perhaps you might imagine. Um, Raiders, they, I know they've got a couple of late fitness tests. So they... they um, they sh- they're trying to sort of pretty much play the same side, but they, they've, uh, they're waiting on a couple of regulars to see if they make it through. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed that um, Raiders can continue to sort of build some momentum now because they've got such a long run now. They've, they've got basically 18 games on the trot without any bye weeks t- to, um, to recover. And I mean, even last week, the physicality of the game, you just see how hard they hit each other. And some of the guys in the, in the Ding side, they were just monstrous. You look at them, they're sort of six foot six, not an ounce of fat on them, but they are massive guys, you know. And when you, it's no real wonder that the ball's turned over so often. When you see the, the collisions that there are in midfield with guys like that, it's just, it's fearsome. And to think that you, I mean, the Raiders guys often train pretty full on as well. So to think that you're not going to get a rest now for basically until pretty much the end of May. Well, yeah, rolling into two Siams yeah, no, back yeah, to si- back. The, Siam, <laughs> the last Siam of the season, which will be at Foot Slane, it'll be very interesting to see what side we put out. I think, <laughs> um, I, think I might dust off my boots just because I might get a game in that one. But uh, no, I mean, Raiders, uh, they're showing um, how good they are now at this level. It's their second time at National 2, and um, they're currently sort of mid-table eighth, but they've got some games in hand. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the season, we'll be pushing towards perhaps top five. And if we can finish off the season with a Siam win, it'd be be very, very nice um, campaign, really. Yeah, sounds good to me. And it sounds like, yeah, it should be something for uh, supporters to enjoy down at Footslane on Saturday. Um, Jamie, a bit of cross-country running coming to a head as well this weekend? Yes, so we have the finale of the FNB Cross-Country League taking place at Home Farm, kind of a Sunway Park nature trail area, if you're not familiar. And yeah, it's basically a three-way title race, which I don't think it's actually been that open on many occasions in recent years, certainly from my memory. But yeah, we'll have, in simple terms, we'll have James Priest going in as favourites, but an upset could mean either Will Bodkin or a young 16-year-old triathlete, Tierra Lechemnock, could take the honours. And on the women's side? Yeah, so there are good like title races throughout the divisions because you've got a variety of divisional titles, but the top women are all racing in Division 2. Um, they'll get points in relation to the male competitors around them, but... So it's quite open as to how many points they can take from each race. 
nice. But yeah, at the moment, it's Nick's petty leading. She's had a fantastic season. It's like showing really good improvement against former, well, sort of returning Island star, Nat Whitty, who is currently our 800 meter record holder. She's come back and is taken to cross country. She's had a few injuries recently. So hopefully we can get on the start line. I hope she can have a good race. Yeah, maybe get snag a title and yeah, it should be fairly dry underfoot i'd imagine as well yeah yeah conditions have been much nicer than we've had for a few fixtures recently yeah not quite as wet good. as your trip to <laughs> hampshire yeah um quite busy weekend of football as well gfc are back at home uh, for the first time in ages um on sunday afternoon and in fact they've got two two games this week haven't they wednesday night as well um and uh, well i suppose it looked like what could be a potentially significant pre league match on saturday afternoon which sort of looks less so now after what happened in the midweek it does, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give a bit of a shout out to Valrec. They they um, worked so hard for their win over North on Tuesday, and it was a funny game because it was pretty scrappy football throughout, as you'd expect from a derby. I mean, it was pretty much um, uh, blood and thunder sort of stuff. But the, the three goals were absolutely outstanding, and um, yeah, North took the lead through a, a Luke Mollett sort of curler into the top corner. Um, Ethan Woodhead then pretty much matched him from for Valrec, and Glenn and say won the game for Rec with a cracking sort of lob volley on the run um, and yeah pretty much um, ended North's title hopes probably I mean if they beat Saints on Saturday then they're probably back in it but they'd have I think they have to win that one now to to sort of stop Saints from from winning the league um, but it, yeah like you say Tony it's a pretty busy weekend in terms of football because there's so many different sort of competitions now ongoing we've got a couple of Prio games as well as the North Saints um, Rovers are hosting Valrec and Alderney are hosting Rangers. Before then, on Friday night, we've got um, the Stranger Cup with Sylvans playing Bells on the 3G at the KG5 on Friday night. And there's also a pretty big FA Cup tie, Rockane Pirates against Manza. And a lot of sort of people in the know are tipping that as a potential upset with, um, with the side that Rockane Pirates can potentially put out. They've got a lot of sort of former, very recent sort of Prio League standard players who turn out from these days. And Manza, obviously, they, now that GFC are back playing, Manza are missing what you'd perhaps call some of their uh, bigger names. So be, that one could be um, the potential upset of the round, I think. And um, if Rockane were to win, I'm not saying they will, but if they were to win, they would also go through to the quarterfinals and face Sylvans, who are there, sort of like their, their landlords, so to speak, <laughs> up at uh, St Peter's. So that would be a really cracking quarterfinal as well. But yeah, so it's a pretty busy weekend before GFC got on the pitch at one o'clock on Sunday. Big weekend of football ahead then. Um, plenty to look forward to there. And finally, some good news, Jamie, for a lot of the indoor sport who've kind of had to wait for various yeah. reasons um, to get back on uh, on the court or, or whatever. Yeah, so obviously we've had this blanket school sports suspension, which applies to all community activities in schools, not just sports, I suppose. But yeah, I think uh, a lot of the swimmers preparing for Hampshire, etc., have been left in a difficult situation, not being able to use St. Sampson's pool. But yeah... Um, they can train again. We can now have basketballers training for, in pre- preparation for a league starting at early February. And netball is going right back into it with the first fixtures of the sort of a post Christmas break part of the year. Good news for them. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure that's, they've had to be very patient yeah. over the last few weeks and uh, plenty of steam to blow off, I'm sure. Uh, Gareth Hockey as well this weekend. Well, yeah, now the, the, the men's Division 1 title race is really, really intriguing. I think pretty much the top three are covered by two points and sort of depending on games in hand, um, 
Indies, Colombians, and Yobos. It could all, it could basically could just keep changing now every week because they've they've sort of like all got um, games in hand and what have you. So uh, last week it was um, the top two going against each other, Indies and Colombians, who were very big rivals. It turned into an absolute thriller. It was six four to Colombians, and for twice in the second half. Um, Indies had three men in the sim bin and poor old uh, George Watson, who is sort of like the assistant official, who, who sort of runs the sim bin. At one point, he had one guy serving 10 minutes, <laughs> one guy serving five minutes, another guy serving two minutes, all at different start times, whatever. And to try and sort of police that was absolute carnage. <laughs> it was just absolutely ridiculous sort of it's more like scenario. a doctor's waiting room than it, a sim bin. Yeah, and um, I just want to give a, a just a quick shout out to Tom Still, who's... Uh, Indy's side were, were sort of losing by that point and at one point when they had two men in the sim bin he actually told one of his own players who was moaning on the pitch he said either shut up or get off I'd rather play with eight than you moaning <laughs> and I thought well fair play to you you know in such a scenario that was quite a thing to say but um, the actual result of that game has really thrown open that title race um, Yobos are well in it as well they, they beat Elizabeth College last weekend they play casuals this weekend and um, Colombians play Elizabeth College. So um, I think Indies, because they've got uh, the bye week out of the five teams, I think they could go from top to third, I think, in the space of the weekend without without actually playing. So it's a, it's it's really hotting up in that title race. Yeah, sounds like a pretty exciting finish in store then. There's a, a way to go though, isn't there still? Yeah, I think um, certainly the top three have all got to play each other at least once more. I think a couple of times there's a couple of times they've got to play each other twice so um, there's still plenty of twists and turns left in that one for sure yeah awesome well whatever you're doing watching playing this weekend enjoy it um cheers guys we'll catch up next week uh, we'll be back with a football show on monday in this feed so of course keep an ear out for that um but otherwise uh yeah do give us a follow all over social media facebook instagram twitter at gsy press sport and pick up a paper for the very best local sports coverage six days a week cheers guys cheers, Thanks, Tony. Tony. Thank you.